Good morning, Chapel Point. It is good to be with you guys. This has been years in the making. I have known of you and heard about you since right at the beginning of COVID. So you don't know me, but I am part of your extended family. My name is Michael Rubino. I have the privilege of pastoring a church on Long Island in New York. And to help you understand where that is, because people hear New York and they just think the city, we are right in between Manhattan and the Hamptons. So it is a whole bunch of craziness. You know, when I decided to heed God's call, and you're going to hear Pastor Tim talk about God's call on each and every one of our lives in a little while, but my call, when God said, I'm calling you to this place, this is where you're going to minister, this is where you're going to glorify me and reach people with the good news, I was a little bit surprised. I thought I would be freed from New York to go to the promised land. I thought I'd get to the south, I'd get to the Midwest where churches just grew just organically out of the soil and people said things like, bless your heart, instead of things that I can't tell you New Yorkers say. Um, the one thing about New Yorkers, can I just say this? We will always tell you what's on our mind. Like what we say, we truly feel, trust me on that. And I went into a meeting with a bunch of pastors, uh, excited, young in the Lord, ready to you know, charge Hell's Gate, and they sat me down, and one guy said this to me. Hey, Mike, can I ask you a question? Why would you lead your family to serve in a place that they call the graveyard for local churches? And I remember feeling stunned. Someone I've looked up to, someone I've worked with in the past, but he just had a moment where he just felt so burnt out. And he asked me that question, and to be honest, I didn't think of an answer. It was the Holy Spirit just kind of rose up inside of me. And I just said this to him. I said, listen, our God resurrects dead things. It's kind of his calling card. So where else do you want to do ministry but a graveyard? When you see God move, go to a graveyard. He will resurrect sinners and make them saints. That's who he is. That's what he does. But I do understand why he felt that way. You see, we, if you considered um, Long Island a state, we would be the 38th, uh, we're larger than 38 of the other states in the union on one tiny island. You know what that means? There's a lot of people in a little place. You guys have roads that go on forever. <laughs> I drive 40 miles, I make two turns. That doesn't happen where I come from. Houses have something called land. I didn't know that existed. But out of all those people, you want to know how many proclaim to know Jesus? A little over 2%. Think about that. So where I live, where I breathe, where I serve the Lord, we are legitimately considered an unreached people group. But God is a God of miracles. Not just in the Old Testament, but he's doing new miracles every day. And I've seen him seek and save the lost in ways that I can't explain. People saved out of Islam, out of lifestyles, out of drug addiction, broken people made whole. He has done things that I cannot explain. I've seen him heal people. 
I've seen him do things that have just left me so in awe of who he is. And he did that to our church. Understand that our church was dead. All that was left was to bury the body. We couldn't remember the last time anyone got saved. There's no reason to open the baptismal. We didn't have a nursery or a kids program. There were no kids. And we just trusted God and served with everything we had. And by his grace, over the course of the past 10 years, our church has grown over 1,000%. And we have been celebrating and celebrating, but then something happened. You ever get a holy discontent? Everything seems good, everything is going well, but God is like stirring something up in you. You don't know what it is. Well, God revealed to us that we need to not just care about our church, but other churches and other communities across Long Island. So we started to lament and pray and ask the Lord, show us how to help these churches because I want people to experience what we get to experience every Sunday. I mean, do you guys understand that this is not the norm? Where you are this morning, what you're experiencing this morning is not the norm, not just in New York, but not in West Michigan. There are people that aren't experiencing what you're experiencing this morning. Does that break your heart? I hope it does. So we started one of the first revitalization ministries in the country. And we just prayed and had faith and we saw God move. Churches were saved and rescued. Instead of being bought out by mosques and nonprofits and apartment complexes, they got healthy and started thriving and they were reaching their community and we started growing again and said, all right, we're gonna have to build. And then something happened in 2020 that stopped everything dead in his tracks, a little something called COVID. And I remember having that meeting with my leadership team. We said, all right, we think we're gonna have to press pause for two weeks. When we get back, we'll sign the building contracts and figure out what we're doing. Let's just see what we have to do. Well, that two weeks turned into two months. Now we were doing some digital ministry we had to get better at it, but we had some tools. But here's what we didn't have. We didn't have the resources of a chapel point. We didn't have the resources to go and provide other equipment for other churches. And we said, Lord, what are we going to do? You've called us to help. We don't have the resources to help everybody. And that's where chapel point intersects with Cornerstone Bible Church. And God starts to move. So I'm in the empty building in my office trying to feel normal by myself, sermon, prep, sermon prepping to speak to a camera. I feel like a newscaster trying to figure all this out. And I get a phone call. This guy, George Russ, he leads a very large missions organization in the heart of New York City that spreads itself throughout the Northeast. There's more languages spoken in his association, more ethnicities co-laboring together than anywhere else in the world. And he called me and said, I just got a call from a church in Michigan. There's a pastor who pastored in Greenwich, Connecticut, went out to Michigan. He wants to come out to New York. And first thing I thought was, is this guy crazy? And then I met him and yes, he's absolutely nuts. I love you, Joel, enjoy your time. So they fly in to the middle of one of the epicenters of the worst pandemic in our history. Now, I don't know how it was for you guys where you are, 
we got hit early on really hard and it hit us close to home. We lost a spouse from one of our staff members like right in the beginning. So we really did not know what was going to happen. And so your team, Pastor Joel, Pastor Luke, um, some Chapel Point elders, some technical staff fly into New York and a time and a place where it looked nothing like it's ever looked before. So we really are the city that never sleeps. So at 4.30 in the morning, that street is packed and there are taxis going and there are people everywhere and there are noise and there are sights and smells and all these things, but everything was silent. Nobody was on the street. It was like you expected the zombie apocalypse to break out. It was like the walking dead. It was so quiet that the silence was actually deafening. It was hard to walk through the streets. The only thing that was better is that it didn't smell. So who here has been to New York? All right, when you got off that subway or that train, did you experience that beautiful New York smell? You want to know what that is? I'm not going to tell you. You don't want to know what it is. And I meet this team of guys, and they come and say, we want to help. And you, your church, because of your generosity... And their obedience, their willingness to say yes to God and operate in faith. Because your church doesn't just love your church, you love the capital C church. You gave a lot of other churches in the Northeast, in New York in particular, hope in a time that we felt hopeless. So they build a studio in Manhattan, come out to Long Island, build a studio on Long Island, and because of that, over 250 churches that didn't have access to these kind of resources were able to shine the gospel light of Jesus into their communities during the worst, darkest time in recent history. And if no one has said this to you before, on behalf of them, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving. Thank you for caring. Thank you for releasing your staff to fulfill their gifting and not being selfish. It could be really easy just to enjoy what you guys have and forget the rest of the world exists. So Chapel Point, on behalf of so many that aren't here today, I just want to say we appreciate you and we love you and we are so happy to lock arms with you and do ministry together. See, it was at a moment like that that Be the Church was born. We were sitting in a room after laboring for the Lord, figuring out what we were doing there, and somebody, we don't really know who. And I think that's great. Because it's not about Pastor Joel, it's not about Pastor Mike or Pastor Tim or Chapel Point or Cornerstone or Mission City. It's about God's kingdom and Jesus Christ. So nobody deserves any credit Somebody said, this is what it means to be the church. And in that moment, we knew something just happened. You ever have that moment where something shifted, but you don't know what yet? And of course, you guys know your pastor. Before we left the meeting, we owned the name. We had everything trademarked. We had the website. He's on the phone. And that's how it started. And churches in our area now, see each other, not as competition, but as co-laborers. 
We get to do ministry together. People are owning the fact that we are all a part of the body of Christ collectively, not individually. So whether you like it or not, you have some crazy cousins in New York, and we're coming out. Don't worry, we'll bring real pizza and real bagels. We have gifts and offerings. Listen, if you're a part of a local church, you're a part of the most exciting adventure that mankind has ever known. The biggest family the world has ever seen. Multicultural, multi-generational, everywhere, over all time. Our church, our, our home verse, what we kind of built our ministry on is Ephesians 2, 17 through 21. And it says, so now you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's people. Not some, not the ones in West Michigan, all of God's people. You are members of God's family, not just the Chapel Point family. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. That is what we're witnessing. Right? God sent Jesus to save us, the Holy Spirit to sanctify us, and then brings the church together to help shape his people into something greater for his glory. See, God's plan to reach the world is local churches everywhere for everyone. There has never been a plan B. There's never been a different plan. It was like that in the book of Acts. It is like that today. Nothing has changed. And the scriptures tell us clearly, hear, hear this this morning, the gates of hell cannot prevail against God's people. Now, understand that gates are defensive. So what's happening? That we are losing ground in this battle when the gates of hell are a defensive weapon. I'll tell you what's happening. We don't present ourselves on the battlefield anymore. We hide out behind our four walls and our holy huddles and lament how bad the world is. To win the war that has already been won, we just have to stand up and walk out these doors and be the church, not just go to church. See, that's life changing. That's community changing. That's family changing. That is world changing. And boy, does the world need a change. Are we ever going in the wrong direction? Let me just share some statistics to tell you where we're at. So, you know, the millennials are the largest generation in history. So the millennials and Gen Z don't have faith. 40% of this generation doesn't have a faith in anything. Matter of fact, some surveys are showing that more would identify with LGBTQ than actually evangelical Christian. Let that sink in for a moment. And the church, the church has not responded the way we've been called to respond. 80 to 90% of all churches in our country are in some form of decline or they're dying. You know, the average church member attends church 1.6 times a month. 
but yet we think we're spiritually fit, don't we? If you went to class, if you're a student, you went to class 1.6 times a month, how smart would you be? You think you'd pass the tests? If you went to the gym 1.6 times a month, how fit do you think you would be? If all you did was diet 1.6 days a month, how much weight do you think you would lose? Well, answer me this. Going to church 1.6 times a month, how spiritually fit do you think you are in the Lord? 40% of pastors are ready to throw in the towel. They are discouraged. They want to quit. They want to run. They're tired. The pandemic just took what was left right out of them. The average age of a pastor is 59. That's the youngest boomer. But yet only 15% of all local pastors are under 40. Do you know what this means? It means there is a perfect storm brewing in our country that in the next five to seven years, there will be tens of thousands of churches closing, not just in New York, but in West Michigan, in Vermont, in Texas, in Georgia, in Kansas. Something is happening. But I do want to encourage you this morning. Yes, there is a perfect storm coming, but we serve a perfect Savior who is sovereign over that storm. He is right there with us. And we need to stop looking at the waves and stop looking at the wind and stop seeing how dark it is outside and get outside that boat and walk to Jesus. To get outside our comfort zones, outside these four walls and stop just going to church and start being the church wherever God is going to call you. You know, we're living proof that God's plan works. You know that, right? A few thousand years ago, 12 knuckleheads, right, took the gospel outward from Jerusalem, made it across continents, across centuries, when there was no planes, trains, automobiles, cable TV, the internet, and whenever they showed up in a town, people would say this, oh no, the people who are turning the world upside down have shown up now. They're here in our town. Man, wouldn't that be great? If we showed up in a town and people said, oh no, those Jesus people are here, things are about to change. Oh, I long for that day. See, here's what's happened and here's what's shifted. We've professionalized the ministry. We've tried to hire our way out of being the church. We've depended on adding people instead of mobilizing and multiplying ministries. I'm going to show you what I mean by that. If I said to you this morning that I knew a guy, and if you hired him, he could reach 1,000 people a day for the Lord. Would you hire him? I think so. It sounds like a great deal. I'll pay him whatever he wants. What if I said, instead of doing that, why don't we do this? I want one person at Chapel Point to commit to making one disciple this year. And the next year, both of you commit to making one disciple. Which one do you think would be more effective? It seems like we should hire the guy. Well, let's look at the numbers. In five years, we have 1,825,000 people for the professional evangelist and only 32 converts for the person who's multiplying as a disciple. That doesn't sound good. All right, Lord, how about... If we go out 10 years, 
Well, 3,650,000 for the professional and only 1,024 for the multiplying disciple. I'm like, all right, Lord, are you sure you got this right? But how about we give God the benefit of the doubt and he might know a little more than we know and let's keep going. If you go 23 years in, here's what happens. The numbers even out. The individual making a disciple every year who then makes a disciple reaches as many people as a professional evangelist who reaches 1,000 a day. You know what happens in 33 years? The person who makes one disciple, who makes one disciple, who makes one disciple, reaches the entire world with the gospel in 33 years. Anyone want to guess how long it takes a professional evangelist to do the same thing? Over 20,000 years. I think God might know what he's talking about. So which one, Chapel Point, do you want to be a part of? You want to just simply add and do some good works? That sounds fun. That's good. But do you want to be part of something great? And watch God multiply his people across the entire world to get outside of your comfort zones and be a part of the greatest adventure you could ever know. Because when churches, hear this clearly, experience revitalization, then ministries start to multiply. And what that results in is eternal destinations changing forever. Chapel Point, you are a part of something so special. And I love what your church does. Inside these four walls, you guys are amazing. But what really gets me fired up is what you guys are doing outside these four walls. You know, as Pastor Joel would say, be the church can be the catalytic spark that starts a revival fire all across the Northeast. And I pray that each and every person here would want to be a part of that. Thank you for having us. And thank you for changing thousands of lives in the Northeast during one of our toughest times. God bless. What's up, everybody? Hold on. I'm going to go off script for a minute. So in the previous two sermons uh, that he preached, which were very good, by the way. Thank you. Thank um, you. He did reference that he is the better looking. Are you about to sing happy birthday to me? No, 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 no. Okay. He did reference he is the better looking bald man on the stage. And now that I'm out here, I feel foolish. I think you might be. Yeah, well, <laughs> praise the Lord. Thanks for the testimony. Anyhow, <laughs> get your Bible out. Turn to, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. I want to tell you, as you turn there, 1 Samuel chapter 16, a story that you know well. My name is Tim Owens. I get the great privilege of helping lead and shepherd a movement of God in New England, specifically Vermont, called Mission City Church. And I love doing what I get to do. And I also get the privilege of serving full-time for an organization called the Send Network of the North American Mission Board as a church planning catalyst, which I get to go all over the country and, and, and specifically New England and really encourage people like 
all of us in this room to, to, to get out of our comfort zones and to say yes to the Lord, to what he's calling us to do. You see, the Lord is at work today. I don't know if you know this, but he's at work. He's been at work before you got here. He was at work yesterday before you got into today. And he's desiring us not to uh, high five and celebrate his work, but to join him in his kingdom work that he only is doing to use us to fulfill his purpose and to see the kingdom of God expanded in cities, towns, and villages, and nations all over the world. I want you to be ready today to hear God. I don't know if you also know that before you got here, the Holy Spirit was at work in you. I don't know if you uh, have a lot of understanding about the Holy Spirit, but regardless, there is one who is the Holy Spirit, and he has been at work in you and speaking to you and bringing you to this place and now has you here today so you can hear what he wants you to hear today and then respond as he desires you to respond and help bring glory to his name and advance his kingdom to the world. And so I want you to hear what I'm about to say in this verse. I have been wrestling with this for a while. I could tell you a lot about me, but we can talk in the lobby about me. Let's talk about Jesus right now. Right? Come on, somebody. Amen. All right, here we go. Let's read this together. Uh, Samuel just got through, by the way, delivering the worst message any preacher could ever deliver to uh, someone. He told Saul, you've been disobedient to God. Now God is a little upset, and he's actually uh, really uh, um, not happy with you. And to be honest with you, he uh, just regrets the day you were born. How about that message? How would you like to woke up today and give that message? And, 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 and then God now brings Samuel to this place to say, let's not let any uh, grass grow under our feet. God's got a plan. He's ready to call a new king. This place needs a king, and I know where the king's at. I'm going to send you there. But we see in chapter 16, verse 1, the Lord said to Samuel, I think that we need to stop here for just a minute so that we understand that the Lord is speaking. He is saying something to you and to me today. He didn't bring you here to come to church. Matter of fact, we got to stop coming to church. The problem with where our world is today, while the believers who have the answer of the gospel could be sharing the gospel, we've been coming to church and not being the church. And God didn't call us to come to church. He called us to gather as a church. Don't mistake me in saying that we're not supposed to do what we're doing. But he's called us to be the church, the way to point people toward our king who we believe has the ability to set the captive free. And so the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel? Man, what I have done in the past and what I've had to do, just get okay with it. It's my will. Now, Samuel, what I need you to do, Chapel Point, what we need you to do, Mission City, what I want you to do is, is fill your horn with oil and go. Are you ready to send out the masses and the armies. God has allowed an anointing to be on this church to fill a room and rooms like this and the other room full of people four times on a weekend. Not so we can brag and say, look how big we are. No, 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 no. God's brought you here because he has a specific moment that he wants you to be a part of, which is today. So he can say, I've been waiting on you to get in this moment. I've got a word for you. I've got a purpose for you. And here's what I want you to do. And us to walk and be obedient in what he's asked us to do. He said, I've got a king, and I want him to be king over Israel. So fill your horn with oil, and I want you to go to Jesse from Bethlehem, and I want you to, to know that this is the one. His son is going to be the one that I picked to be a king for myself. How can I do this, Samuel says, 
And if I do and Saul hears about it, he's going to kill me. Some of you today, you're so wrapped up in the what ifs that you can't do what you're supposed to do. You're so concerned about what might happen. It might mess up with your plans. Hey, how about it is if today God wants to mess up your plans because the plan he got is so much better than the plans you got. He wants to screw things up in your life a little bit because you're too comfortable and too convenient life. He's saying, Samuel, who cares what Saul will think? We're done with him. I got a plan. He says, if Saul hears it, he will kill me. And so the Lord says, hey, here's the deal. I got a plan. Take a heifer with you and say to him and the others there, I've come to sacrifice the Lord. And so he invites Jesse to sacrifice, and I will show you, invite Jesse to sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And he shall anoint me for me, uh, uh, this, this, this one that I declare to you, that I show you. And Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city there came in a little upset and scared and said, hey, did you come in peace? He said, peace, I've come. I love that. That's the way I want to enter a room. Peace, I've come. He said, consecrate yourself and come with me to sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to sacrifice. So they're sacrificing before the Lord. And by the way, every great movement of God will require sacrifice. When they came, he looked at Elab and said, here's Michael Jordan. Oh, man. Looked up. I bet he looked up at him. He was tall like Lanson. Good looking like me. And he probably thought, man, this guy, if anybody can bring a word, if anybody can lead a movement, if anybody can be king, this is the one. I want you to understand, God's less concerned about ability and more concerned about his anointing. God doesn't care if you can speak the most eloquent message or the, or the most eloquent way. God doesn't care that you might have a stutter or that your clothes don't match. God doesn't care about those things. What God cares about is what's in you that he placed in you and that he wants to do through you less about the way the outside of you looks. Last year, I lost 110 pounds. Seriously, really did. And man, I feel so much better today. I turned 50 in June. Somebody said, how do you feel at 50? Better than I did at 40. I had diabetes, like facing, looked like I was going to die at 40. At 50, I got no diabetes and I'm just feeling better. God doesn't care as much about the way that we look. He doesn't say, man, find the most sharp-dressed, very well-eloquent-spoken person, and that's the ones. God, here, don't miss this, church. Get this, that today, in the natural, many of you who God has been speaking to, people in the natural have overlooked, while in the supernatural, God has been looking at you and speaking to you. He's doing that in this room. Let's go back to the story. No, the first son. So Samuel brings, or Jesse brings another son. No, then Jesse brings a third son. And then no, and then no. And seven times he brings these long lineage of, of these good-looking young strapped, strapping men. And so then Samuel finally gets to this place and he looks at Jesse and he says this term that I could not get over. And he just keeps doing it. Neither is this one, neither is it this one. Jesse then seven sons. And so then Samuel looks at Jesse and says, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel says, are all of your sons here? And one translation says it this way. Don't miss it. Is there anybody else? There's some anybody else's in this room. 
Some of you in this room, from top to bottom, left to right, some of you are anybody else's. There are people that we've overlooked. Some people have looked at your neighbor and thought they are ready and they are the ones. And some people have overlooked you because they don't think you're the one. But God's saying you're the one. And if people like you don't go to places like I am and we don't help be willing to, to, to man, live in a more, 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 more sacrificial way to be a missionary to people, then places like I'm in won't be reached with the gospel. We must go. The world is so broken. It's demanding that we would do whatever it takes to bring the gospel to them. And we would say yes. The Bible goes on to say about this story, I think so good, that Jesse says, I got one more son. Now here's the problem. He's got good looking eyes. He's tall. He's a little ruddy. But he's, he's, he's a good looking guy. He says, okay, go get him. We're going to stay here until you go get him. And they went, and they sent for him, and they brought him in. And when they brought him in, the Lord spoke. Hey, can I just stop for a minute? Just look at me for just a minute. Do you realize that when you came in here today, whether you admitted it or not, but whether you were even ready for it or not, the Holy Spirit of God has been speaking. And he is speaking to your heart. You ever watch the movie Jumanji? You know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Act like you know the movie Jumanji. Help me. If you're happy to know it, say Amen, whatever. <laughs> you know the Jumanji? They hear that thumping, and all of a sudden they're like, what is that? And they get the game, and they roll the dice, and then they end up in a world with monkeys and elephants. And Well, God's not calling you to a world with monkeys and elephants, but God is, man, right now in this room, somebody's hearing this in their heart. They're hearing the Lord say, I've been asking you, I've been telling you. Do you realize over the last two services, I've had probably half a dozen people come to me and said, God's been speaking to me for months and I've just not been willing to say yes, but today I'm done. And the word that God brought me, one gentleman earlier said, I was going to check out and just not come today, but God, for some reason, brought me here. And I said, I know why he brought you here, because he wanted you to say yes. You see, every one of us have been given a yes. Every one of us, it's the way God loves us. He gives us a yes. You can say yes to him today. You can say no to him today, but he's given you a yes. And his desire is for you not to put yes on the table so it can make, be convenient for you and be used for you. He wants you to put your yes on the table so that everything you do is for him and for the people who don't know him. So my question is, you look at this, they anointed David with oil. And then the Bible says they did this in the midst of his brothers and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Because God had already been working. He knew that he didn't need the Michael Jordan of Jesse's home. He needed the shepherd boy who was out back that could come in and lead a nation. I'm here to tell you, God today in this room alone has some kings in the room who have the ability to lead big things, to do great things, to accomplish massive things so the world may know and the kingdom may expand and God may be glorified. My question is, what are you going to do with your yes? Are you going to slide across the table? Or are you going to put it in your pocket and go have lunch after church and just tell people, I went to church today. No, God's calling us to be the church. For too long, the church has laid silent while the world is very loud, and we know the answer. You see, I believe today, just like I did in my own life, in my own season, that the Holy Spirit is moving and working, He's speaking. You see, you don't know this about me, but I'll tell you quickly. When I was a young middle school boy, they looked at me in my principal's office with my dad and said he would never graduate from high school. 
was, had a severe learning disability. There's no way. He'd never graduate from high school. He'd never be able to speak in public, do all these things. Well, they're wrong. Because what the world said about me differed from what God said about me. And what God says about me trumps what the world says about me. And better yet, what God says to me requires me from the very top row all the way down to the very front row. I want you to look at me and hear me say what I'm about to say because listen, you may never get this opportunity again and I want it to be on record that the Lord brought you here. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. And some of you, you thought retirement was for you, but you got to understand you have been crucified with Christ. You no longer live, but now Christ lives in you. And the life you now live, you live for Christ. And that doesn't mean until you retire. That means the freer up, freer up you get, the more you can do for the Lord. Some of you, you need to do whatever you got to do to get out of debt over the next few months. Feel the Lord tell me to say this so you can be freed up. Instead of being a slave to the lender, be a slave to the king. And you do whatever it needs to do to get freed up. You need to sell things, get rid of things, do whatever it is. Because I'm here to tell you, in these last days, God wants to do a supernatural work in his and through his church. And that is you. And he's got a special anointing. It is not normal what's happening here. And we should be in those not normal places, man, looking for the supernatural thing that God wants to do through the people he's brought there. You're not here by accident. You're here on purpose. He created you for a purpose. My question is, what is he saying, and are you willing to do what he wants you to do? No one's looking around. Just for a minute, just I want you to bow your head because I think it's more spiritual when you bow your head. I just think it's important because sometimes it removes the distraction. And what I want you to do is just get along with God. Listen, isn't it funny you can be in a room of 1,000 people and close your eyes and bow your head, no one looking around, no one saying a word, and immediately you're alone. And right now, I just wonder, if the Holy Spirit in this moment is truly speaking across this place, I wonder right now if you would be bold enough, young lady, bold enough, young man, bold enough, middle-aged lady, middle-aged man, bold enough, seasoned citizen. Ma'am, sir, would you be bold enough to pray a very radically bold prayer? Lord, if you're speaking to me and you're calling me to say yes to you, Lord, if this is really you, what if you just take a minute? I'm going to get quiet. I want you to, don't lean into this, man. Pray this prayer if you're bold enough. Is this you, Lord? Is that thumping that I feel right now, Lord, is the excitement in my heart? I remember when I we used to talk to church, church playing with my pastor. And man, I would be like lit up, ready to go. On the outside, it would look like I was like, yeah, I think we should plant a church. On the inside, I was going, me, 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 send me, send me. I wonder if right now you'd just be bold enough to say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, is it me? Come on, right now, just pray that. And listen. See, God wants us to join him as he offers us a holy call to join him in his kingdom mission. I wonder if that's you. Would you say yes to him today? Right now inside, you're going, me, 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 me. Father, I pray in Jesus' name 
than in the stillness of this moment, in the precious stillness of this moment, as these brothers and sisters are sitting here in this room, regardless of age, ability, shape, fashion, form, or size, God, would you call out the Davids in the room? Not the ones who have all the ability, but the ones who have been, even though they don't know it, sitting here waiting for the oil from the horn of the Lord to anoint them for such a time as this. We praise you, God. And we celebrate the bold, courageous brothers and sisters in this room and saying, here am I, Lord. Send me. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapel Point, thanks for letting me be here today.